This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Um, we are on episode 21 of the season. Last five games. Um, quickly, thank you all for tuning in and listening again. Um, we're just continuing to get mad numbers every week. Listeners, um, anybody who hasn't caught it, we've caught up with Ali Fowler last couple of weeks ago now. Um, so if you haven't given it a listen, give it a listen. He's a bit of a mad, mad boy, isn't he? But um, really good listen, good feedback. So thanks for listening. Um this week, um, we are going to reflect on the last couple of games and, and, and look to a massive, massive last five games of the season um, where I don't think anybody has a clue what's going to happen. Um, but we're going to try and uh, chat it through and chat through what's going on. Um, so just quickly, we, today on the call, we've got um, Duncan still on the call, still on. Yep, st- still here, every week. <laughs> Even good, good time, again. good times and bad times. So hopefully, some good times coming up. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, and we also welcome back Ollie from up the arse. Welcome, Hello, Ollie. Mate. Been a while. Yeah, it has it has been a while. Yeah, you fixed your lights yet in your in your room? Don't look like that. I've got a uh, got a good old uh, <laughs> ring light system now, so we've up- upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> Borrowed also... that from his missus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And we've also got another uh, W12 debut. We've got Sky Sports' very own Aidan McGee. How are you? Not bad, thanks. Yeah, I, I left Sky Sports a couple of years ago, though. GB News now. GB News. <laughs> oh, great. How's how's everything going, mate? You okay? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I was in a bit bit um bad bad situation last week. I was in intensive care in hospital, but um, QPR's performance against Preston didn't raise the spirits very much. But I'm well. I'm well now. And the the, the trip to Hawthorne's on Monday, which uh, I managed to catch on TV, uh, lifted my mood no end. Good, good. Well, I hope you get better soon, mate. Let's chat through that Preston defeat then. Um, I was really optimistic going into it. I, I, I really was. I think I put them in an, in an accumulator, stupidly. Um, but, I mean, I don't know what your boys' view was, but it was very, very 
goal before the doesn't it? And it, it, it was the goals were, the goal was coming well before it came, but it didn't feel like attacking wise we were doing anything of any magnitude. Um, Aidan, the Duke, what were your views? Did you get to watch it in the end, or was it just highlights? Or no, I didn't watch uh, any of it. I, I listened to. I was. I had a feed from Talk Sport into my uh, face mask. Yeah, in the middle of the day, that's the only contact I had. They had a reporter there, so we got updates every every few, every 10, 15 minutes or whatever, or maybe a little bit less than that. But I could kind of, Preston are always one of those opponents, particularly Loftus Road, they they play well against us. They're one of two or three teams in the championship who've got very good records at Loftus Road. It wasn't a huge surprise to me. People expecting to roll over a team like Preston. I mean, they were, I think going into the game, there was something like, I mean, they're joint, they're, they're joint, I think they're in joint contention for the playoffs right now. Or well, they were after that win against us anyway. So this is the difference when you're when you're a Preston or when you're even a Stoke or one of the teams outside London, you can creep up the table without anybody noticing. And you don't have the pressure and the spotlight that you have even being QPR. QPR are the kind of from the media point of view, because of where they are in London, attracts a spotlight, it makes the club more difficult to run, more difficult to manage, quite an expectant fan base as well. And what it means is sometimes you can take your opponents a little bit lightly. I'm not saying the team did, but I think some of the supporters were a bit too over-optimistic in expecting us to put Preston to the sword. It's not as simple as that. I've seen them win probably six times at QPR in the last eight years, nine years. And so at least we didn't concede an early goal. Um, that's some small comfort, I guess. Not that it was, uh, obviously, that, that, that wasn't remedied for very long, given what happened at, at West Brom. But... Huge chance missed by Ilyas Chair. It was very worrying that after the second goal, the fans started turning on the players. I mean, that was that made it two wins out of 24. I think the players were on borrowed time in terms of their supporters turning on them. Anyway, I don't really blame them for that necessarily. It's not like they haven't suffered their own their fair share of um, of strife in the last few months. So not a huge surprise to me. No, they're tough, rugged opposition. And it didn't feel me with great heart going to West Brom, I must say. No, no, and that Elias chair miss. I don't know why, but as soon as he that from that moment onwards, I don't know if it, it felt when I was watching it. It felt you, you felt the stadium, the players, especially with the first goal as well. Everyone, as soon as that first goal went in, the, you could see it in the players. They were completely deflated, and when the second goal went in, there was absolutely completely. Obviously, West Brom, we had more time, but there was a completely different attitude um, from going two 0 down in the two games. Doug, what was your view of the, of the Preston? Um, it was really, I, I was disappointed because when the team like team came out, I was thinking, "Hello, this is like our strongest lineup in absolute months." I was thinking quite positively. I thought like if we were going to get a result, this would be the day that our season kind of re reignites and we push away from the relegation zone. And it just didn't happen. And like you said, the chair miss was massive, in a sense. If he'd been fully match sharp. He would have taken that and he would have scored it. But oh, it's just one of those where, like you said, the heads just dropped after the first goal. And then when the second goal went in, it just was a absolute shambles. But for me, it was just uh, with the second goal, especially like I want to give like a little bit of a, not like a, like a shout out, but like, like praise Jimmy Dunn for actually tracking back. None of the other defenders made any effort to try and get back. At least he did like taking like a shred of light out of a, crappy situation. You know what annoyed me a little bit and, it, it, and, and this goes to QPR recruitment for years, never mind this summer or in January or last summer, but that Tom Cannon, right, he's, he's smashing in the goals, right? I, I think he's in six and eight. 
he was he's he's got like twenty in the under twenty ones uh, in the last thirty games for Everton. Um, that's the type of loan or the player that we should be bringing. I can't imagine the cost was much, um, but I keep frequently seeing these clubs in a similar you know stature and, and maybe finances to us find these gems, you know these loans, and what and, and you know and I don't I'm not Chris Martin's biggest fan, but and it's not his fault, but. That, you know, they brought him in in January. Would, would we? Could we have not brought him in because he's the kind of striker that we're desperately missing? That on the edge striker that can, you know, can find the gaps and through balls and add a bit of pace. Uh, Oli, I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, before going to press the loan situation, I think I think the problem is in January we needed someone that has scored goals in the championship before. Um, someone like that is the type of risk that we just could not afford to make because if he's not going to score goals, then you know, we've had the option to bring in like a Jamal Lowe, who's been in that situation before. If we'd not brought him in, would it have made a difference now? No, but I suppose from their point of view, you bring in a young player that's that's, that's a risk. Um, I can understand why it wasn't brought in, but that's the type of player that you want to bring in in, in, in the summer, really, on loan, just so you have the option to, you know, if, if you can make the changes that you need to make mid-season if you need to. But yeah, I mean, Preston, again, I think, in in the scenario QPR at the moment, you cannot be missing huge chances like Chair did. I'm not blaming Chair. You know he's been it's, the whole team's been off this season, but I think the way QPR at the moment, you can't miss a big chance like that. If you do, you'll likely lose the game. You know we had ten shots, one on target, um, and you know the the, the the second that goal, that first goal went in, you knew you knew it was it was game over. You know, the players, you could see it in their faces. The body language was was horrific to be fair but I just think that was the first time in ages where I thought you know what I think we might actually be getting relegated here because I cannot I could not see the next point coming from any of them you know I think I do think our fans are, as 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 I said underestimated Preston you know two wins two losses in the last 10 games and those were to Burnley and Borough so I think they're a good side so I'm not surprised we did lose to them but what a chance that was for Chair to put us ahead. Could have been different if he had scored it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, looking at looking at um, Monday at West Brom, Aiden, obviously battling draw. I, I kind of feel. I mean, look, it's a great draw coming back from two 0 down, but we really need some wins, don't we? Um, what What was your view on that? Did you manage to watch what you said? Yeah, I did. I did watch it, and honestly, the first thirteen minutes or so is almost like the apocalypse. It's, you know, I hadn't, I didn't, hadn't seen the game on Friday. I'd seen the game at Wigan, where obviously we conceded early on, and you know we didn't really trouble them after that. And then this one was different. It's almost like it was easier scouting report in history for the West Brom uh, backroom team. They just lob, lob balls in our box, and and you'll score. And because there were a couple we got away with as well in those first thirteen minutes, as I recall. But then I just, I did like the way, I did like the way, and, and you have to remember how difficult this is to do, just to, on a flick of a switch, find confidence. And to be fair to the players, after the 13th minute, it helped that we got a goal fairly soon after, but we had a lot of possession in that game. We, it's almost like the players took the responsibility themselves to play the way that they know. There's an obvious difference in terms of the tactics since Gareth Ainsworth took over we are a little bit more direct. I think that's a little bit foolhardy when, you know, we don't really, I mean, we played two up front this time, but if you look at our, our players at their best, when they're 
they've got possession. We're a possession team. You hardly ever get teams coming to QPR and dominating the ball. In fact, we can go well from when we've been away over the last three or four years. We often dominate the ball, even if we don't win. So, but in terms of actually showing a bit of fight, showing a bit of determination to not let this game go the same way as the previous, however many in the last 24, I didn't think West Brom were particularly good. I thought they were complacent after they went 2-0 up. But just hearing the manager afterwards, I was encouraged. I have to say, I felt as, as you know, better than I have done since certainly since the Watford game and for a long time before that as well about our prospects. And it, but it only, only matters if we can back it up against Coventry. If we can go into mm-hmm. that game and make it four points out of, out of two, if we beat Coventry, I think that, you know, this, the, the omens are good for us staying up. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, though, what that first goal with Seddy, like, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the old Seddy from a year or two ago now, seems, I don't know if he's well and truly gone, but it feels like he's well and truly gone. Um, I don't know exactly... It's harsh to say his attitude, isn't it? I think we've mentioned a few of the pods before. I just don't get that, like, fighting from him. You know, the, the, the I don't know what it is. And it, it could just be a chilled, calm persona that he's got that maybe he doesn't... But he's making so many mistakes. And um, and look, he's not a bad keeper, but I'm just wondering if he's... He needs, a season. He, needs, he needs a season to end. Yeah. I'm just That's wondering if he's... Well, yeah, well, absolutely, but it's not, um, and we need some points. So uh, it's just frustrating, isn't it, that someone who we know historically has been such a good keeper. I don't know. I just I don't know whether it's what he signed up for, if you know what I mean, in relation to him maybe possibly staying, or I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyone got any views on Seni? Uh, do you think that because of the situation we've been in recently, with like, no like no form, no no points, that he couldn't have even dropped either. There's no like direct competition as such for like, anyone that's putting a lot of pressure on him to lose his spot. It, so, yeah, I, I don't uh, feel like I don't feel like Archer's got the trust of any of the managers really, apart from when he's saying he's out injured. He's not well, putting uh, well, under pressure. Archer's, Archer's not bad. He's a, you know proved at Millwall. He's a competent goalkeeper. He didn't fall out with their fans there over his playing over what he did on the pitch. It was other issues, but it's such a big decision dropping your goalkeeper. It's not like dropping. Of any position, any other position on the pitch, because it has implications for for everywhere, and and it's what we think as fans. When we drop we drop the goalkeeper, we 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 as fans think it's bigger than dropping someone in in the wide areas or someone up front even. And so it's you you've got to accept that your goalkeepers make mistakes. They're going to have bad bad spells, and for all the hassle that was worth, given everything else that was going on at the club, or is going on at the club, I don't think it was it was another fire that that Angels wanted to start. No. I think that's the thing. Is like I remember um, one of the Burnley games, and their keeper made a mistake. Let a, um, came for a ball, and they scored. And, they, and company took them up at half time. Like I just feel like we have we aren't in the situation where we could risk losing any more points by bringing another keeper in and like putting Sony on the bench for a game just to kind of clear his head or refocus his head. Yeah, but I mean, we can't now. But we, he's no. been making mistakes for weeks. I mean, I could yeah, probably name four or five mistakes that he's done. That in, yeah, but that's what I mean. Know, when in... our defense is struggling, you don't want to then bring in another keeper. And, uh, be, no. and do you know what I mean, like, it's just I don't feel like we've been in a situation where we could have rotated him or rested him and given him a chance to clear his head and refocus. It doesn't help that the centre backs in front of him have not. Right. Uh, Dicky Dicky's had no form this season, especially not since yeah. Christmas. Uh, Dunn has been suffering by association, I think, as well. I think, you know, he'd probably a wise, it was a wise move in the end, moving him to right back. Communication is massive, though, isn't it? I think, um, I think I don't know if you saw the interview with, with Balogun 
um, that, that the fans did. Um, he mentioned communication being a massive issue at, at the back. And when you're at the ground and you're listening, you can't hear anything. You can't hear anybody saying anything, really, especially at the back. You know, when you look at corners and free kicks, there's no one talking, no, um, which you know mm. you'd expect to see. So yeah, I can understand that. Um, I thought um, it was good to see Luke Amos um, deliver a fairly decent performance. He wasn't outstanding, but he was certainly much better than he was at Birmingham when 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 he when he got hauled off. You know, and he was looked really down. Um, so it was a bit seeing him on the starting lineup was a bit. Oh, is he going to be all right? But I actually thought he did okay. Thought he grew, grew into the game as well, like a lot yeah. of the players did. This time, this time last year, he, I mean, he was only he was only player to emerge with any credit over, over the last sort of fifteen games of last season. He was a and war button man, wasn't he? That's what I think. I think he was a war button. Yes, he was. Around him. He was, and I don't. I know, I've never had a problem with his contribution on the pitch. It's just keeping the guy fit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He was good. He was good on. He gave us. He gave us some legs in midfield that Jansen hasn't been giving us recently. I I like Amos. I think he's got a lot of different aspects of his game. You know, we saw last season he popped up with a few goals here and there. Um, the season before, can't think when it was. I think his injuries have, have plagued him, and I think that's why a lot of people were worried about him being on the pitch because, you know, the same way that when someone's been injured for a while, a lot of people don't think he's ready, but. I think Amos was arguably the best player on the pitch um, the other day. And I think, you know, if he can keep playing like that, there's no reason why he can't push on and help us. But, you know, he can defend, he can score goals, he can create chances. I, I like Amos a lot and I know he's got his plaudits, but I, I'm, 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 yeah, very much a fan of him. Yeah. I thought Sam Field had a great game, which I think helped him. I thought Sam Field, I don't know if it was West Brom and he, and he, and he sort of upped it. It was the old Sam Field from the start of the season I saw um, on Monday, which I think helped... Amos a bit in relation to he was covering a lot more ground and I think Luke just goes sometimes when he did that too he just goes missing sometimes or he just gets ball watching and you'll see him like on the wing and you're like what are you doing out there so um, I think that helped um, I thought Dyke had a good game as well but yeah, he, did. he did let, no just say let, let, it's important to to remember as well West Brom haven't lost at home since October so although they've had problems off the pitch and you know different problems to ours but there's been some real turmoil there you know, that's still that has to be a good point, especially in context of what we've done, what we've done ourselves. We've got to put ourselves first and foremost. But a point there is something to build on, and you know we'll be looking ahead to commentary in a minute. But we, we have to back it up. I, I watched it on um on a stream. It was, it was, it was Baggy's TV stream, and the, you love the a dodgy stream, don't you? Oh, I love them, mate. <laughs> Easy that way. <laughs> no, and, and and they were saying that um you know QPR been. I think it was probably about when when it was two two. They were saying that like we, we don't deserve to be to be even getting a point here. QPR have been solid. There's no way they're not going to stay up. Um, you know they they lied to us. They couldn't understand why our bench had Willock on. You know they're saying this type of player that would really do do well against us, which was you know it's hard not to agree with. But at the same time, he's not been great. But I thought we saw shades of him against Preston to an extent. Um, I thought the performance was, was decent. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Baggy's TV were, were very much uh, complimentary of us, so hopefully that can push us on a bit. It's funny football, isn't it? Like, that Richards header at the end, I thought it was in, but had yeah. that had got in, I mean, you know, you'd be five points now, you know, fairly you know, fairly comfortable um, with sort of five games to go, but now we're sweating. <laughs> it's just yeah. it so close as well. Um, 
Yeah, sorry, I was just saying about Lyndon Dykes. I thought he had a, he had a really good game. We could, we're going to need him, aren't we, in these last five games to really score a couple of goals, at least two or three goals. Um, but it was good. We needed him to get on the score sheet, didn't we? And sorry, just to your point on Willie Kalen, I wanted to talk about that and what your reasons why you thought they would, why they were dropped. Um, I I don't think that the, the tactics that Ainsworth is employing right now, being direct. With the flick on, with the flick on from from Dykes, uh, you know, you, I don't think uh, maybe, maybe there was some maybe there's originally there was some hope that Willock might be somebody with enough pace to to latch onto that. There has, been, there has been talk in the past that he might end up more central anyway. Yeah, a bit like Trevor Sinclair when he came to QPR, he started off as a winger, and they thought they thought he might eventually go down through the middle. All those years ago, it didn't happen for him in in the end. He, he tended to stay out wide and went 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 further back in the team and you know, further back towards defence, didn't he, towards the end of his career, but. With Willock, I just don't think if you're going to play direct, I just don't think it works. I don't think it works for him. It just about works for for chair. But if you're that's that's what I mean. For me, if you're going to you've got these players back at your disposal, you've got to play. You've got to use a plan that reflects their ability. And you know, Willock wasn't part of the the, the failure. A lot, a lot of the, the period, a lot of that period since after the World Cup, he wasn't part of it. And he, in theory, he should be. You know, he was dropped. I mean, he was dropped for the Luton game inexplicably by um, by Critchley. And I think this time, if he wants to move in the summer, which inevitably he will do, see, it was in his interest to get on and, and, and play well. But I don't think the, the the plans laid out by Ainsworth really suited him, and that's that would explain why he's he's dropped. And I don't see him being restored on Saturday either, because I think that it's very very difficult once you finally hit on something that looks like a formula. It's going to be very difficult for him to for friends to change that. I mean, he played Jimmy Dunn right back. I, I I didn't notice that massively in the game. I don't know if I, if it was just me or if anybody else um, did notice it. But I don't know if you saw he come out this morning and said in his one of his um, media conversations that Jimmy Dunn had a really good game at right back. But yeah. I don't know if anyone else. I think I think he, he played a Doma sort of there, but further. Like, not too sure, but he did something on that right that was slightly different to what he did on the left. I'm not yes. too sure why that was. Um, but, I think um, he had to break. He had to break up those two. Yeah, because you know we forget we forget that you know Dun- uh, uh, sorry Dickie's had no form probably since last season actually. Yeah, and Dunn Dunn's still a young player. And if if there's a weakness at the middle of the centre at, at the central defence, and you think you'd better go back to a back four. Then put Balogun alongside Dicky, and it, you know we looked a bit more solid. I thought. Yeah, I think I think Balogun definitely gives us that. I think we need him for the last five games for sure. Um, we don't. I, I, yeah, I mean we see so many set pieces, don't we? I'm kind of thinking that we're all right in open play, but we're not, are we? Really, either. But um, you know, no, and if you've got fullbacks, and the, at the moment the fullbacks aren't being required to bomb on the way they were perhaps earlier in the season, and because that that would leave. Jimmy Dunn exposed really, so I'm not sure he's got that in his in his game. But if you just ask him to defend that flank, then I think that's something he can do. He didn't look out of his depth the other day. I didn't see a lot of menace coming from that side and in, in that side of the pitch in, in open play. It, it, it worked from what point I could see it worked quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I just sometimes Dykes and I don't know what else is Dykes and Martin together up front. It's a bit pedestrian, isn't it? It's a bit and I, I know they both scored at the weekend at the last game. So I, you know, I get it, but I still look at the team sheet when I see them together and just think, I don't know, do we stretch teams enough, especially at home with them too? Um, 
but then who have we got to come in? Maybe Lowe, he's not done great, has he? Willock's not done great, so difficult, isn't it? What other options? Sinclair's not fit, which is frustrating because you'd like to give him a go. Um, Doug, any views on the, the striker situation we got? Um, okay, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think Martin brings in that experience head that I think Dykes needs alongside him sometimes. Like, Dykes, when he was up with Charlie Austin, like, they've made a really good partnership and it really worked for us. Um, I feel like it suits him. But like you said, it is a bit pedestrian and I have no... Like, I feel like we're a bit one-dimensional when we have both of them in the team. I think if you've got, like, also physical centre-backs at Birmingham, Birmingham were, like, centre-backs spot-on. Like, there's no way you were out-muscling them. It kind of... All of our arrows are kind of nullified. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Dykes is, is okay. He can get in behind this. But when it, once he gets the ball, everyone's caught up. Everyone's back in position, you know? It's not like he can continue and, and beat defenders to, you know, to get a shot off. So, um, yeah, but... I, like, like you said, Aidan, I can't see him changing the team for Coventry. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, are we looking ahead to Coventry now? Yeah, why not? I, I mean, you know, they're, ninth, they're ninth, ninth in the league. They're, I think they're within within about three points of the playoffs. So the idea they're going to come along and just sort of, you know, roll over for us is, is pie in the sky, quite frankly. They're a really good, accomplished team. They lost... Casey Palmer, Callum O'Hare around about halfway through the season. And they still managed to keep in touch, largely because the lad uh, Jocker has, uh, has been for the Swedish uh, strikers been playing well up front. They've got Matt Godden, who he played 200 games in non-league before joining Coventry. He's 31 years old. I mean, you talk about gems that you can find. He came up with leagues with them. I mean, it's an extraordinary story. And he's still, scored, he's still got a goal threat in him. I think they'll probably be... My, you know, my friend's a Coventry fan. He's going to the game Saturday. He thinks that they'll probably be six points off the playoffs by the time it comes to the end of the season. But they're enjoying the ride. They, 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 they travel in fantastic numbers because uh, they don't attend, you know, there's a little bit of a boycott for the home games, has been in recent years. And it's not, it's almost like playing Newcastle in the Championship when Coventry comes to the stadium. They always, I mean, it's not that far away anyway, isn't it, from West London if you live up there on the M40. But um, it's going to be a really, really, really tough game. Really tough game, and that they're, they're again they're an accomplished championship side. There are no easy games in the championship anyway. It's a horrible cliche, but they really are. You say that though, but I saw it somewhere. Some of the runs that some teams have been on this season, there's been some mad runs. Their teams have not won for like 12, 13, 14, 15 games, which is crazy. Because yeah, there are, that's right. I mean, you can make, make that you can make that accusation against us. I mean, how are we still outside the bottom three with the run of form that, that we've had? But Coventry have lost one game in twelve. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I always feel like with these teams, Norwich on, on you know midweek as well. I always feel like Preston as well. If the, if they come to Loftusred and they're at it, we're in trouble. But yeah. they can quite easily come to Loftusred, you know. And, and if then they can be got at, but it, I, I just feel like it depends what Coventry turns turns up. Essentially, how it starts the first 10, 15 well, minutes. They, don't they lost. They did lose what three weeks ago. Lost four 0 at home to Stoke. Yeah. So, and then, you know, they have, they've had some excellent results as well. But that's, that's the nature of the division. You know what I mean? I don't think too many people would have had QPR getting the point at, at uh, West Brom after 13 minutes the other day. But that's why we love, that's why we enjoy these leagues. I think this is, this is the Championship is probably the fourth, the fourth best league in Europe. Yeah. Ollie, what's, what's your view, mate? Coventry, what are you thinking? Um, you fucked this game yet? <sighs> I don't know. I, I... Again, do you know what is? I think with Coventry, it's a tough one because they've looked really good at times this season and they've looked poor, but no matter what, they've got Jokeres and 
you know, we're going to have to double mark him because he is their threat. I mean, he's got it all, really, isn't he? I think, you know, if, if, if there's one player that you've got to keep an eye on in that game, it's him. Um, what do I think we'll get a good result? I don't know what it is, but after that West Brom result, the comeback, I think we've got a bit of fire in our belly again. Is it going to be enough? I don't know, but I'll definitely take a point. I think I think a point at this at this stage of the season where we are could be vital. But if we get all three points against Coventry, that's for me. I, th- I think I think we'll stay up, but it's it's going to be a really really hard game, and and we're going to struggle against against uh, a striker of that of that quality. Yeah, he killed us in the reverse fixture, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I remember. That. <laughs> Might as well last game, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? He absolutely, yeah. yeah. It worries me. Dicky and Dunn versus maybe Leo Balogun can 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 physically match him, um, yeah. pace wise. Not sure either of them can. Yeah, I know. I mean, you look at Coventry. I mean, they're, they're on course. My mate was saying to me today they're on course to. Mark Robbins is, in, is, in, is on course to improve their league position for the sixth year in a row. I mean, that given everything that's happened to that club off the pitch in that time. That's a hell of an achievement. And again, QPR fans need to be aware of what they're going to be up against on, on Saturday. It's not yeah. as simple as saying, right, we've got a point at West Brom. So, yeah, Coventry at home, lads, let's get the job done. It's not, you know, it's going to be a really, really hard game. Yeah, but we've got to be up for it, haven't we? That's the thing. If course, we get, yeah, if, yeah, we've got, you know, Ainsworth, I, I, I want to talk about Ainsworth. I don't know what, Doug, what your, what your views have been recently of what he's been saying and doing and stuff like that. I, I get it. I know what he's trying to do. Um, but he does make some outrageous comments, doesn't he? That I always feel that are going to come back. Like the cavalry comment, I thought was a dangerous comment to make. Um, he, he said some things in his last press conference. He just doesn't. He doesn't look phased, does he? he doesn't look worried. He doesn't sound like he's worried. He doesn't. He's, he's. He feels like he's confident, doesn't he? He says things that I think. Oh, are you sure? And it, are you thinking the same? Or um, would you like that? Are you happy? Do you think that's what you need, we need? He needs to do. It? I think he's trying to do that so that he because I don't feel like he he thinks he can come in and have a go at these this group of players with how the form's been recently like they're they're at rock bottom anyway. If he comes in and slates anybody, I feel like their heads are just going to go completely even more than they are, and he risks losing the dressing room. Like I think that's how the state of our like squad at the minute it's that fragile. So he's got to try and be positive all the time and try and put a positive spin on it. Like you said, some of the stuff he's come out with, I'm a bit like, mm, okay, yeah, <laughs> not sure I agree with that, but okay. Like uh, some of those stuff about like when he said we haven't been dominated by anybody, I felt that it was a bit of a strange comment yeah. considering we hadn't picked up any points and <laughs> we've been like turned over by Blackpool six one and stuff. So I don't know. I, I, the jury's still out of, with like with me for Ainsworth. I, I've still had my reservations about his appointment. As a manager, obviously take nothing away from him as a player, but I still have reservations if he was the right man at the right time. It's just a tricky one, isn't it, for him? He's like he, he's got to build on the West Brom performance, though. You know, West Brom when, we, when 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 at the end he was the he was the one who went first, didn't he, over to the fans, and he sort of dragged the players over a little bit. That's what it felt like to me. Like, come on, like clapping them, come on, like. I know. What my dad always says to me is he, he's very me, me, me. And I don't know whether that's a, a thing that he consciously is doing to try and take it off the players, which may well be. But that's the kind of impression I'm getting, Aidan. I don't know what what your views on Ainsworth because we haven't. Well, I'm, I've just I've, I've noticed, as, as I mentioned earlier, I've noticed a difference in the in the style of play. Um, yeah. If you want, listen, I, I'm I'm a long ball fan. 
I'm a dark, I like direct football. I like to, I like aggressive football. I like being on the front foot. If you want to play like that, that's fine. But it needs to be, you need to have the players at your disposal. And who knows? It might be that he rebuilds next season, irrespective of what, what division we're in, using that method of football. I mean, it was very, very successful for him as a player early in his career when he was at Wimbledon. And he was at Port Vale, obviously, before that. And latterly, even at QPR at times under Holloway. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I just think the best managers are the ones who show tactical flexibility. You know, I know it sounds like a horrible modern-day Ted Lasso-type um, type comment, but, you know, if you look at your player, I mean, someone like this chair is never, never going to thrive under and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Under a system that requires, you know, or, or that allows a, a direct style of play, I don't think Willock is probably going to do that either, especially if he's going to be playing as a number 10. You don't need two number 10s in, in, a, in a long ball system. And I just you look at Senny's clearances, for example. I mean, it always used to be short. It used to be frustrating under Warburton sometimes when they used to overplay and get caught out. You see it all the time in the Premier League. You see players get caught out in their own penalty area now, which you never used to see up until about five years ago. But in terms of, in terms of the, as a character, no doubts about him at all. He's wanted the job for a long, long time. Uh, his problem was that whenever he was linked with it before, he was he kept he went on a run of three or four games as a wicket manager where he was losing. So it's very unfortunate. So I don't doubt that he's committed and he wants things to change. Even the hacker thing. I mean, you know, when you when you go into a dressing room and it's completely flat. There's only certain, there are only certain tricks you can pull as a manager, you know, or as a person, as a, as a human being. And, and it was just something to, to distract their um, the, the, the mediocrity or the, that was playing out on the pitch. It was worse than mediocrity because they kept losing games. But equally, if you're going to do that, you, you, you've, you've got to be sure that you're going to get reaction on the pitch. I'm not sure that the, that the players were in the, in the right mindset for that because it, and it ended up being a... An object of ridicule, ridicule for a reason for other clubs to to ridicule us, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about this last time. It's only because we lost six one. We did it three weeks before, and it was on social media three weeks before, and no one yes. said a word about it. No, I know. Yeah, six one. It got brought yeah. out, and it got. I've got no issue with it, but I'd maybe keep it in house more, and there's no need for it to come out. On, I don't. I don't think. But um, but um, Ollie, what anything on Ainsworth to add, mate? Yeah, I mean, again, when I heard the links, I was quite annoyed um you know there's some names that i think would have at the time i thought would have been a bit better for us but um who would you have had ollie it's a tough oh, it's a tough one who would i have had i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm i would have had the uh oh, i can't remember his name the geezer from um oh, was it 
there's a foreign league. There's a geezer link from a foreign league. Um, mm. Can't remember his name, but I, I would have. But then again, yeah. it's, it's a risk. But once we had him, I, I, was, I, I, was, I was I was happy with it in the end. I think that in terms of body language, I think he's the right boat to get in. Obviously, it hasn't played out that way as such. But, you know, I think he deserves a lot of credit for leaving the job that he's doing at Wickham after over a decade to coming into the to the mess that QPR is in. Um, you know, I think, would should you we've given him a free three-year deal. I think that's a strange, strange one, but I don't think he would have come for anything less. Um, but... I think, yeah, the, the thing with three-year deals, four-year deals, five-year deals, there's usually a break clause yeah. in it. It's not, you know, Alan Pardew and Nate for a 10-year deal at Newcastle, but I know for a fact it was a one-year deal, you know, because they had a break clause. So it's not going to, I don't think you will penal, if we end up getting rid of him eight games into next season, I don't think it will be as financially punitive to QPR as, 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 as first thought. Yeah, I mean, again, I, you know, I think somewhat of the appointment was almost like a just-in-case. If we did go down, he's got a lot of experience in League One. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've seen him get a couple of results, you know, Watford and West Brom. I don't think any manager would have come in and got much more out of them. I, I, I don't think? Don't. Oh. No, I, I think know. that if you had think... a deal, what, I'm not saying what was the answer, but it's hindsight, right? Because what he's doing at Huddersfield, right? It's great to say that. But I think the only other alternative, sensible one, would have been someone on a short-term deal to the end of the year, someone like a Neil Warnock. Oh, I'd have taken um, Neil Warnock all day. Straight, um, straight yeah. away. To get yeah. us organised, get us get us over the line, because he would have done that. I've got no doubt he would have done yeah. that. I've spoken to Warnock a few times since he got rejected the second time for the job, and it's still, it still irritates him and hurts him, like you well, wouldn't believe. Yeah, we had him on the pod and he said the same thing. He, uh, yeah, yeah, around, you know, Jimmy Floyd, Hassel Bank and all that sort of stuff. And But I think I would definitely, it felt, felt to me, I talked to him that he had unfinished business as well. And I know that Critchley was still in charge when he went to Huddersfield, but we could have got rid of Critchley earlier. Definitely, yeah, that could. was on the cards. You know, we were just waiting for nothing, really. Like, something that wasn't ever going to happen. So, I mean, that would have been my only, you know, someone like Neil Warnock coming at the end of the season, refreshed, maybe looked at Gareth Ainsworth then, I don't know. But, um, he was bound to get it at some point. He, you know, it, it was, he's destined to get it. And has he earned a championship job? I'd say he probably has. He's done well with Wickham. Um, was it the right appointment? No. I think, to be honest, before we got Critchley, I was asking for Warnock. I'd have taken Warnock. I think if we had, had to have got Warnock now, we'd probably be six, seven points away from where we are now. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to write him off. I think he needs, he needs a summer to have a little bit of a ago and you know people talk about nights of Willock and, and, and Chair and all these players not being for him but then you know he, he was questioned about that and he brought up the likes of um is it Mehmeti uh yeah. the he young looks quality would loved him yeah you know he, he, he done really well with him he, he, he had him put scoring goals creating chance in league one you know if he can do if he can bring in someone like that and and do a job in championship, it could work really well. I just, I just want to see, I want to give him a bit of time. I don't want him to leave and, 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 and as long as we stay up, that is, if we stay up, keep him for a bit, just see how it goes, give him a summer. It, it, Doug, is there a scenario where Rainsworth isn't in charge next season, in your eyes? Uh, I mean, like I already said, like, I feel like he was almost put in as a, if worst case scenario is and we go down, he has experience in League One, like he's got out of League One with Wickham, he knows that division like the back of his hand. So it was almost like a contingency plan that if the worst happens and we went down, he, like we've got a manager who knows that league. 
best case scenario, he keeps us up and he has something to build on next year. Um, but like um, Aiden said, like tactically, it's trying. I want to. I want to see tactically whether he's got a fully fit squad. A pre-season, will he change it? Will he you utilize the players we've got and the like the technical ability they've got, or is he going to rip up the squad and bring in players that suit his like style? We know he has at the minute, and the direct football he knows they're going, doesn't he? I think he's alluded. He's alluded. He's alluded to a fact that a few, he wants more fighters and wants people to dig in, which he's said that he has not in as many words. But I think he knows that that that, that he'd want someone who gives everything on the pitch and leave everything. And that you might lose a bit of quality when you get that kind type of people or that type of squad. You lose that extra quality that we've got. But we've completely got all. We've got. I think we've got the quality. Just really don't have any of the fight. One player I wanted to mention that I think we really miss, and I hope he's back soon. Is Tim. Yeah, yeah, he's played well under Angels. Yeah, I really think we miss him. I, I think he give us something different, whether that's off the bench or in, so I don't know how bad his injury is. Again, I I get really annoyed with the fact that injuries are always we have never really known what's going on with injuries. He keeps keeps it close to his chest, doesn't he? Ainsworth. But um but yeah, I feel like we really really miss him. Yeah, the recruitment last summer. I mean, I'm sure you've mentioned it on previous episodes, yeah. but I mean, if you're predicate, it's such a you know. I know I don't want to sound like Captain Hindsight because I wasn't saying this last autumn when we were winning games, but when you're signing five, six, seven players, and they've got and you've already got one or two in the squad who don't have the best injury records anyway, like like Amos that we mentioned in a World Cup year, when in one year out of a hundred you've got a World Cup in the middle of the season, and you know that fixtures in and the championships already forty six games. I mean, I don't. The, nowhere outside the EFL plays that many games in a season. Mm. And, you know, QPR are one of those teams as well. We try, we, you know, we, in the last couple of years, we've tried to have a go in one or two of the Cups, haven't we, as well? And so, you know, the number of games is just, is unrelenting. You've got that big break in the middle of six weeks or five weeks, whatever it was, by the time we got back against, against uh, Burnley. And, you know, I don't know whose idea it was to, to sign players who were injury prone when, the, the schedule either side of the World Cup is just is just so severe. We've said so again, before, it's hindsight. It's hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, but, it's, yeah. it's, but Sam Allardyce always used to say to me, I used to write his column for the News of the World. He used to say to me, "You're you're hardworking pre-season. The players you <coughs> sign in the summer, the sports science, the sports medicine that comes into its own from January onwards. And in our case this season, that logic proves absolutely correct because." We've been found wanting in that regard. We've lost players. We, we had a good two months spell there where we just couldn't get any players back fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I get it, but I don't necessarily go with the pool of, you know, this is where we are in relation to the pool of players we can attract, players that notoriously have got injury issues and stuff like. Because I feel like there's other clubs that have this same and don't. One reason why Luton are always up the top of the league is because they every time I look at them, I swear that eleven is always the same or near yeah. on the same every every week. They got the same eleven. Um, Millwall were pretty much the same as well. Back five, I swear, has been the back five for about three years. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Mill, Millwall. Yeah, Millwall, yeah. Solid, solid unit. You know, we always we, we usually beat them. Um, but over the course of the season, they always overtake us. Yeah. They always overtake um, us because they've got, they've got a strategy in place. The thing is, we seem to be such a streaky kind of team, don't we? Like, under Warburton, we had half a season where we thought, oh, we're going to get relegated. And then we've got Steph in, we've got Charlie in, in the second yeah. half of the season. We were unbelievable. Yeah. The, the next season starts. Well, we were great, we were great for the whole of 2021. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, the, so the first half of that second season, brilliant. And then the second half of the season, we completely tailed off again. This season, first half of the season, brilliant. And that's what's kept us up. 
is Mick Beal's performances and how we got the team playing at the start of the season is what is ultimately is keeping us out of the relegation zone at the minute. It was, it, it, I bumped into Lee Hoos at Wimbledon last summer at tennis and he said that because Mike, Mick Beal had no discernible track record as a number one anywhere, they had to do diligence on him like they'd never done before on a manager and they were absolutely convinced that they've got the right bloke and it was working well but the last thing you know, they, they expected was that, I mean, QPR, when was last, last time QPR had a manager poached prior to him, literally poached was, there were a couple of attempts on, Holo, attempts on Holloway in his first spell, we didn't go, but I think he had to go back to Jim Smith. It was a, they weren't banking on that at all. And then it happened and I, they just didn't have a contingency plan, did they? I mean, Christie Chris, was apparently on the, on the shortlist last summer. Um, and he was the first, someone told me he was the first choice. But, uh, they were the rumours, weren't they, before Beal? They were the rumours that he was coming in, yeah. you know, before... Um... But you need you need to be a certain type of manager, type of personality to manage this club, yeah. because it's in the spotlight a bit more than average for a team at our level. And Critchley, Critchley did not suit that persona at all. Bill was confident in himself. He may he may have had no discernible championship or frontline record, but you could tell he was confident in what what he did. And it's the ones who it's the ones who talk talk as well as deliver a good game, like Holloway, like Warnock, like Jim we Smith, love him, like don't we? Francis, who've done well down the years. Yeah, we love them. Yeah. We love them. Yeah, I think someone said that on, tw on Twitter. And uh, we love a manager like that, don't we? We don't like the the introvert. Who... Yeah, well, I, I can I can see that. You, you know, it's about enjoyment. You want a, you want a manager who you want a gaffer who you know who, who's excited as you, as you are about your team. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ollie, um, a quick question around whatever happens in the next five games. What needs to change in the summer? I think we need to start getting rid of the 25-year-olds that we're still playing in the under-23s, etc. for a start. Um, Frustrating. You know, we, we, I love we, how you said that first. It was on my list. It certainly wasn't yeah. first, but it's true. I do, I, you know, do you know what? I just think there are so many, you know, 20, 24, 25-year-olds that, that are in that are in the young young side of it. You know, they're stopping these youngsters coming through. Um, I think we need an overhaul in the summer, whether that's selling a lot of players, getting rid of them. We need to release players and we need to stop signing players on freeze that are free because they're injury prone. You know, no, if Jake, you know, I, I think Jake Clark Salt has got all the quality in the world, but there's a reason he was free. You know, when he played at Coventry, when he had the time to, to be on the pitch, he was outstanding. He was free because he's injury prone all the time. You know, Tottenham players as well, stop signing injury-prone Tottenham Academy players. And it doesn't help that how, 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 you know the entire staff and training are all like Tottenham and Les Ferdinand's mates. And I'm not taking away from some of them because some of them do a great job, but I think we need to get the academy and, and, and that side of it sorted. And I know we've got the new training ground. Get that sorted. Bring in some players that want to prove themselves. Get a bit of experience in and get rid of Deadwood that doesn't want to be here and doesn't look like they want to be here. Sell the sell our assets to an extent, all of them. Get a bit of money in and reinvest it. That that is all we need to do, in my opinion. Because at the moment we, we are, in terms of you know, people say we want to, you know, we want we want new owners, etc. We are arguably one of the most unattractive clubs if you take away London because we've got we, we don't bring through academy players. I'm going to stop because I'll go on for for years, but that would be my <laughs> basis. Yeah. Basics. You know, the, 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 the Clark Salt affair, I think there's a good point I read recently from a Coventry fan that, and again, I don't know how true this is, but they did offer him a, a contract for him to stay there. They wanted him to stay there, but the terms were so less than ours because of his injury worries. They 
they had clauses in there and stuff that we didn't well, have. Balogun, Balogun couldn't stay fit at Rangers either. There was nothing wrong with no. his ability. I, I saw him play for Brighton for three or four years ago, and he was a, he was a Premier League centre back all day long. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but it's it's the injury problem. If you can't keep a player on the pitch, then they're as useful to the first team as you and I. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Doug, what would you? Anything you would would want to see in the in, in the summer? Well, I'm worried we won't see a lot because I don't know where like this magic pot of money is that we're going to be able to completely revamp the squad is. Like, I can't see anyone offering us any big money for any of our players because of the how they perform this season. Like, we need an overhaul, but the owners are paying out two million a month to keep us afloat. Where's the money going to come from for a summer overhaul? I want Ainsworth or to get backed, whatever league we're in, but. I don't know how much backing he's actually going to get. So are we going to be stuck in the free market yet again? What about board level? Like, you know, for me, there's some big changes needed. Someone's got... I mean, this is... Um, it's um, it, 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 Like I said every week, it defies the laws, laws of averages. This run we're on, like, it's ridiculous, right? Um, so who, where does the buck stop with this? Again, it's happened last season. We have, it, happens, it happens every season. We go on these mad 9, 10, 11 games. We have mad injuries. I just think recruit like recruitment, head of recruitment, head of you know medical, you know whoever runs the medical team, signs the players. There's got to be some sort of consequence for this season, whatever happens in, in my book. Aiden, I don't know if you agree. Well, look, we, we've Tony Fernandez hasn't been still at the ground for a long time. You know, gone are the days when in my early days of Sky, you couldn't get him off telly. You know, you couldn't get him off Twitter. <laughs> It was obvious he doesn't really know much about football. I interviewed him a few times and he came across a bluffer, perfectly, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, yeah, he was involved trying to take over West Ham two years before he got involved with QPR. And somebody told he was involved in that bid told me that, you know, he didn't, his knowledge of football was very limited. You could tell that in his first few years at QPR. Now, there's only one thing worse than being on the plot and messing things up, and that's being an absent owner. Absent owners don't often work, you know. I look at Millwall. He, John Berylson, their chairman, yeah, he lives in the States, but he's over here a lot and he's in touch with the club every single day. There's a reason why QPR have so many heads of departments and that's because yeah. Fernandez has put in place a structure to run the club in his absence. He's not hands-on. And my dad always said to me, you know, if you're going to go into business, you've got to A, know what you're talking about, which Fernandez doesn't, and B, you've got to be, you've got to be on the plot because if you're, someone else is spending your money, then they're not going to be accountable. If they are accountable, they usually lose their jobs and go on somewhere else. So I like Lee Hoos. I like him a lot. Um, but, you know, he's been at five clubs. So I, I would fancy that even if he failed at QPR and it was decided that his time was up in the summer, he'd probably go to another club and pick up from there. Maybe probably even do a good job. So there's lots of, there's lots of departmental heads. We need an owner who's more invested, not just financially, but also in terms of, you know, his time and his emotion, if you like. I was never convinced by Fernandez from the very beginning, although no one can say he didn't put his money where his mouth was. They've got, a, they, you know, someone contacted me about three, four months ago saying this QPR for sale. Um, I don't, I didn't discover who it was, but there are, there is interest because of where we are. We will always attract interest. Always, I don't believe anyone that says otherwise. They, they, no, I mean, look, they, they, I was, t I was told at the club that they'd be surprised if anyone was interested because of the financial situation. But I'll tell you what's in, what, what's good. The training, the training ground mm. is, a, is a step forward. I mean, after. Nine years of of trying to win a crowdfunding uh, debate with with a group of people who want to keep us away from from uh, from the, the Warren Farm. They finally got one got one built. My next question would be: having well, having built that, do we actually need an academy? Um, because we're not producing players. If you look at the players over the last five six years who've come into the first team, 
Ilish chair signed from Liège in in Belgium via via Club Rouge. Uh, Abirieze signed from released by Millwall via via uh, some jobs outside of football. Bright also Samuel from Blackpool's reserves. Josh Bowler, uh, I think, came from Aldershot. The most success that we've had has come from players who've been pinched here and there from other academies, even if they're not Premier League academies. Brentford have now have, have now the Premier League rules have dictated they have to open an academy. Which is difficult, which is going to be even more difficult for us because that means that you know there aren't many clubs in the champion in the in the EFL who've got two two cha- two Premier League academies nearby, and they're going to they're going to be fighting against the third from ne- from from ne- from 2024. So it's going to be very very difficult attracting players, and that's just in West London. Never mind the rest of London, and within an hour of the M25. So right. I'm wondering, do we just go? Do we just stick to the B team that we've just created? And get rid of the academy altogether. I think as a community club, it would be a bit discomforting to have to do that because it means jobs will be lost. But an academy in the top two divisions costs about two million pounds a year to run, and I think there needs to be a debate over that whether that continues or not. If we were getting play, if we were getting a player out of it every two years or something, I could, I could understand it. But I would say even the players who came through to the first team from the academy in the last three or four years uh, are bo- at best borderline championship players. We, we we seem to be harvesting players for clubs to come along and pinch them. I guess that's what's happening, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> Even that's people it, that are in there that are that's what each of people, That's what each of people's the the elite performance player plan were, uh, plan was set up for us to be. Was, as with most manoeuvres within football in the last thirty years, it's designed to protect the big clubs. So, under the current system, I was told maybe three years ago, I think it was someone told me that instead of getting eleven million pounds for Raheem Sterling, a player who never kicked a ball for us. Under the current system, I think we would have got about sixty grand. So why why not? You know, Brentford got rid of theirs, and it was one of the best things they ever did. They got rid of theirs in twenty sixteen, and it meant that. So Chris Meppen was a QPR fan. QPR family was in Chelsea's academy. They had a lot of top quality players, so he didn't quite make the cut. He went to Slough Town. Brentford watched his progress. They saw how he competed for half a season. And they bought him to Brentford and within 18 months sold him for 12 million pounds. That's business. That's the kind of business we need to be doing and we don't do enough of. We did it with Iberieze, but he was the exception rather than the rule. Brentford have done it time and time again. And we need that, don't we? And what we need is someone... We need, what we need is to have that conveyor belt, right? Where we have a few of these players, we sell them for 15, 20 million, 10... That's how you million. get strong. That's how you get and strong. You, and then, you, and then you've got someone there ready to come in. They know who they're going to sign, where they're there, they're ready, waiting, they come in. And then that's how that's how the sort of Brighton, even Brighton in the Premier League, Brentford, that's how they run. Um, just quickly, I just wanted to touch on, um, before we finish, on on, on Tyler Roberts, Ollie. <laughs> um, I've seen his LinkedIn, what is it? 500k is that right is that what was rumored to be yeah so um the yorkshire evening news and leeds united news have, have been told that um he's likely to join qpr on a permanent deal at the end of the season um the rumor is that it was 4.5 million if we went up but there is an option for 500k if we stay if we don't go up but we stay in the league um if he if we go down the, there's nothing um so, you know, I think I'm going to be sort of be get contradictive with myself here saying about signing injury-prone players, but I'd sign him. <laughs> you know, I have no issue with that. I think there's a player there, you know. I mean, when when us boys spoke to Mick Bill, you know, he was, you know, at the Kitterville, he was really, really impressed with him and he really likes him. He said he's got all the talent. Um, 
give him a season to see what he does. Give him a summer, let him let him get fit, see what he can do for for that kind of money. It, it's worth a punt, I think. Uh, to contradict myself, yeah, he's injury prone, but he's still only what twenty four. Um, worth a go, I think. I'd say. Then, if if you add in. Taylor Richards, we've already signed. We're looking at what a million pounds? It left seven hundred and fifty between them. Two yeah. injury prone players. Is that? I, don't, I, don't I do get what you mean. Is is there's talent there, isn't there? You're you're risking it. it's gamble. There's someone there who could keep, keep him fit and get him going. He probably would score 10, 15 goals in this league. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if Taylor Richards is. It's a bit hard, a bit hard with him, isn't it? Because it's it's almost like he's. You can't know. You don't know if he's injured because there's times where he's told everyone that he's not injured. He's just out of the squad, and then he's back in it. He's not getting game time. A lot of people wonder whether that's because he has to play a certain amount of games to to, to not sign him. Um, he's already signed, hasn't he? I think. I think Critchley well, said. It is. Yeah, assuming so. But yeah, he had some personal stuff going on as well, didn't he? At one point. Yeah. Like yeah. the club said, and I, I think like the whole Roberts thing. Like you said, I agree, I agree with what you say. In the fact that for 500k, I don't think quality, like and technical ability wise, you would get many other players of his standard. But it's that injury record, and can we keep him fit for 25 games minimum? That's the big issue. Could we get could we get someone lower league for 500k who could come in a striker somewhere? I don't know how much that Notts County striker would score. He scored like 40 goals of goals this season. I was watching him the other day. He looks decent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. goal scorer is a goal scorer, isn't it? Yeah, but are they going to let him go for 500k? I don't know. No. They're going to want, they're going to want at least... Don't we, don't, we, don't know, we don't know what division we're going to be in next season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. it. You know, that, that, that's, that's the issue. I mean, let's get the next five games out of the way. We've got a real battle on our hands. It's a dreaded question, lads. Do we... What do we... If we had to put money on now, do, do you think do we think we're going to be okay? Do we think other teams yeah, are going to save us? Which is what I'm thinking. I think that possibly Reading and Cardiff, especially Reading, are particularly poor. That they're probably going to keep us up more than we yeah. keep ourselves up. But I guess we we're still going to need some points from somewhere to do that. Um, I mean, listen, Bristol City have won the last four games at QPR. <laughs> we tend to do well. We tend to do well down there. Norwich, Norwich. Uh, Side that we've had we've had trouble with again. They've got and they've got a parachute budget as well. And they're this is a time of the season where they could they're the sort of team who could squeeze into the playoffs under under Wagner. Um, and Stoke have won. I think Stoke have Stoke have lost one in seven. I think it is at the moment. We don't play them until a little bit later. But Burnley, who knows? Look, Burnley may take the foot off the gas. You might get a point. You never know. And we've got Hopefully another they've won game. the league by then. Hope they win the league yeah. by the time we Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we've got, <laughs> who's got, we've got another away game, haven't we? Stoke. That's Stoke away, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the remaining games, Coventry at home, Norwich at home, Bristol City at home, Stoke away. And uh, Burnley, Burnley away. Burnley away, as you mentioned. Does yeah. it matter who we're playing though? I mean, we've played the bottom three and lost convincingly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, yeah. Just. I, I, th I think if we stay down, it might be very much to do with the... Uh, Reading minus six points. I think that might be the reason why we stayed down, uh, stayed up. Sorry, um, you know that that's kind of done us nicely because they're below us now. But uh, also, I think you look at Reading's run; they've got you know next three games at Burnley, Luton, and Coventry. Um, yeah, can you see them getting points out of that? Probably not. But they've also got a new gaffer, so they might have a new manager bounce. I hope they don't. Um, I think we'll scrape it by the absolute skin of our teeth if we stay up. Just just about stay up. Absolute skin of our teeth. 
Doug, what do you think of me? Yeah, I was about to say the same as Ollie. I think like the Reading, like the points deduction is what's probably going to save us. Um, I am worried about then getting a new manager bounce because like every other club seems to get that apart from us. So you can see Redden picking up points in the next couple of games just for that pure reason. Um, I don't know. I think, I think we'll get over the line just about. I think we'll pick up another win somewhere along the lines. Don't ask which game I think we're going to win. I think we'll get a win somewhere and I think we'll just stay up. Boys, you'd be amazed what a little bit of confidence can do. And we definitely showed that on Monday. And it was saying that, that, go on. I was just going to say that that, that 2 2 um, at West Brom, 2 0 down, might, in my mind, might do more than the Watford 1 0, uh, possibly. I don't know, get, get them going a bit more. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I mean, look, it's away away from home, away from home as well. I'm, I'm you know, I'm clinging, I'm just clinging to that because that's I've not seen anything like that in quite a while. They reminded me a bit more of the team that we saw earlier in the season. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Just a quick couple of shout outs. Um, we've got Tiger Feet, haven't we, coming on this weekend? And Aiden's kindly donating a, a real. I, I want it myself, actually. I'm trying <laughs> to scra- scrape together some money, see if I can put a bid in, Aiden. Um, did you want to talk yeah, about Yeah, so it? it's a spare, it's a spare that I had. So I've got, some, I've got a, a main one on the wall, um, which I'll, I'll, for the benefit of you guys here, I'll show you what I've got on the wall. I'll take you through, and you'll see it's, uh, you know, I'll just bring you in here. So if you look on the wall here, you can see it in the background. So you can see the one that's actually on the wall. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And then you've got the spare down there. So I've got some damage to that one done uh, last summer, and I was set a replacement for free. That's the replacement, but it was a centimetre too too short all the way around. And then I sent another replacement, which eventually went into the frame. You can see up on the wall. So that one there is a spare. And, you know, it's, I need it out of the property just because it's, it's been hanging around. And I just thought I'd coincided with... Um, with uh, Tiger Cubs, a uh, Tiger Feet 13 rather, and try. And I've had a bit. Of, I put a reserve price of 75 quid on it, and I'll pay for UK postage myself. And I've had a bit of 250 pounds this afternoon on Twitter. So if it, it'll be, it'll, you can you'll be able to see it in the program this weekend as well in the column. So you know anyone who's interested in it, I will. If I, if there's any, if they've got any doubts about posting or anything, then I'll I'll hire a van and I'll post. I'll drive it over there myself. It's not a problem. But it's um, <laughs> I haven't got any use of it because I've already got one on my wall. But I'd like, I don't want it to waste. I want, want it to go to a kick-off fan. It's um, Gary Bannister on the left, uh, Royal Legley in the middle, and Les Ferdinand on the on the right. They're my three three favourite strikers at QPR down the years. Top man, great. If anyone's interested, drop drop in a message. I'll, I'll... Yeah, DM DM on Twitter, or um, you know, you can get hold of yeah. me somehow. Sure. Nice mate, nice. Um, and we've also got a sh- uh, shout out for Hannah, who's um, just going to engage to a pod friend. Um, Wayne Faraday, so uh, congratulations. She's even she's messaged us <laughs> asking for a shout out. So um, yeah, congratulations, lads. Before we leave, really? a quick, um, quick, quick prediction on Coventry. What do we think? Two one hours. Three one. Two one. Two one. Two one. Oh, I'll take a draw. I'll take a draw at the moment. I'm going to go one one. I think I think I've got a feeling Coventry might get a late equaliser, but you know what? It might. It's not. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't be the worst. That would be the worst result for us. So a good team. Um, the thing that worries me the most is the um, officiating team from the Spurs Brighton game yeah, been demoted, and they're taking charge of it. So, so insulting, wait, isn't it? Wait, yeah. wait for a couple of dodgy penalties or something, or some dodgy offsides. <laughs> to... 
Well, well, without, without, without VAR, it means they're going to make decisions themselves. Well, that's it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, but no, I, I was going to say the same as um, Adrian. I felt like it was going to be like a 1 1. I think we'll get another point and another performance to build on. Yeah. Try and be positive. We've also got Keith Stroud, haven't we, on Wednesday? The Norwich yeah. game. Tuesday on Wednesday. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like they just sent them to Loftus Road, didn't it? They... Oh. <laughs> I know. I know. Right, well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Um, good to meet you all. Aiden, yeah, come on again soon, mate. Absolutely, yeah. It gives, it gives a shout. It, it's, done, it's done me good. I needed to do something different after not being very well. So I've, enjoyed, I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for that, guys. No, no cheers for coming on, man. Stay for a good result. Yours. Yours. <laughs> See you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.